bless each of the hearts and minds that are here and those that are watching online or may future, watch in the future. Guide us as we go about our day. Lord, to your will. In your name I pray. Amen. with everybody. Welcome. Today's uh, sermon title I have is called God's Pay It Forward Challenge. And I'll get the clicker out here, make sure that's on. There we go. So, have you ever been the recipient of a pay it forward challenge? Maybe a better question is, do you even know what a pay it forward challenge is? So to pay it forward means to do something for someone else without the expectation of getting anything in return. And then hopefully, the recipient of your kindness will then do the same for someone else. Now typically this is done anonymously, but it could start out with people that know each other. And the idea of pay it forward is actually all throughout history. From ancient Greece to Benjamin Franklin, there have been many uh, instances where they have tried to initiate a pay-it-forward in their time. There have also been many novels and stories that try to utilize and encourage the idea of pay-it-forward, and perhaps one of the most well-known novel is actually called Pay-It-Forward, which was written in 1999, and then it was later turned into a movie in 2000 of the same name. Now, the idea presented in this particular story, this, this novel turned into movie, is that when somebody does a pay it forward to you, you pay it forward to three other people, not just one. And then, ideally, each of those people would then pay it forward to three more people, and so on and so forth. Now, there are many kinds of pay it forward challenges. In fact, when searching out different ones, I determined that technically that any act of kindness can be a pay it forward challenge. But let's just keep it simple today. The most common pay-it-forward challenge is to pay for somebody's meal at a restaurant. For example, you go to a drive-thru and you place an order for some food, and only when you get to the window to pay, you are told that the person in front of you has already paid for it. And now you have a choice. Accept what has happened and move on with your life, or pay it forward and pay, it, pay for the person behind you. Now, if you've ever been in this situation before, it probably caught you off guard. And now I'm not gonna ask you if you paid it forward after receiving it, that's your business, but I will be honest with you. This particular challenge, this pay it forward, happened to me twice that I can remember. One time I was getting coffee at Dunkin' Donuts, and another time I was waiting to pay the toll at a toll booth. Both times, I was caught off guard. I remember the Duncan incident was on my way to work. I was already running late. 
and the toll booth one happened when I was on my way to the airport. And both times I was met with the response, someone has paid for you. And both times I said, cool, thanks, and drove off. Now, you can probably tell where my spiritual life was at that time. But we as Christians have been given a different type of pay-it-forward challenge. Just like there are many different forms of the pay-it-forward challenge, there are many different ways that we can complete the Christian version. But we're just going to focus on one of those ways, and that way is love. This is one of the most reoccurring themes in Jesus' ministry. And you can probably recall hundreds of verses throughout the Bible that have to deal with love. But the first verse I'd like to share with you is found in... Yep, I got it. Okay, got the right one. It's found in John 13, 34. It says, I, giving, I am giving you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one another. Now, has there been someone in your life who took a chance on you and showed you love when you needed it most. I'm not talking about your spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm talking about a time that when you felt at your lowest, or maybe a time when you needed someone to talk to. Maybe you were in a situation like me where you didn't have two parents growing up. I didn't have a father in my life, but there were a few men in church who acted like fathers to me. Despite having their own families and their jobs and their own lives, they went out of their way to treat me like their son. Today, I want to tell you about some of them and how they took on God's pay-it-forward challenge to show love. Now, before I tell you these stories, I want to disclaim to you that I cannot speak for any other person who might have had a similar experience or a different experience with these men. I'm only speaking for myself here. And I also would like, to, uh, would like you to understand that part of what I tell you today is a small piece of my personal testimony. So if I pause at a random time, that's, that's why. I just gotta gather myself a little bit. But the first person I'd like to tell you about is my youth pastor. Uh, his name's Pastor Charlie. Pastor Charlie Thompson is his real name, but we always called him Pastor Charlie. And Pastor Charlie was a spiritual mentor for me. And at the time of this story, he had technically been in my life for about five years, but I hadn't experienced the love he showed me until uh, the sixth year that I'd known him. Now, you see, Pastor Charlie was the youth director for the conference I grew up in, and he still is today. And being the youth director um, means visiting all the schools, visiting the, uh, the Venture and Pathfinder clubs, being a part of the club campouts, organizing youth rallies, and running the church summer camp. You know, he saw kids and families from all over the state all year long. And of all the years I'd known him, to, all the years I've known him to this day, I have never seen him once angry with a child, and never have I once ever heard him say that he was too tired to stop. Now, you see, around the sixth year of knowing Pastor Charlie was when certain events in my life took place, I was 13 years old at the time, and a girl that I liked, and uh, who I called girlfriend at the time, told me on Christmas Day that she did not want to be my girlfriend anymore. 
And for whatever reason, be it the combination of my age, the hormones that go through your body at that time, rejection on the holiday or just the holiday in general, whatever the reason, that was the first time that I ever thought about suicide. Now, my mother contacted Pastor Charlie right away, and he took time out of his life, away from his family, just to spend time with me. And at the time as a kid, I didn't fully understand why he was doing the things he was. Sometimes he would just take me to the local coffee shop. Other times we would drive up and down the country roads. And I was very shy at that age, and I didn't really have, know how to have conversations with adults, especially ones of Pastor Charlie's reputation. But the conversations we had were about anything and everything. And I know that he worked very hard sometimes to keep a conversation going. Because even to this day, he still reminds me of how long I was in a shell before I finally broke out of it. And we laugh about it too, so it's, you know, it's, it's all right. But the only reason I can think of as to why he did all that he did for me was because of the instructions Jesus gave, which was to love one another like he loves us. Another person that showed me love when I needed it the most was my music teacher. Uh, his name was Mr. Lay. He was my music teacher for eight years. He taught me everything, almost everything, that I know about music. Mr. Lay was married, he had, but he had no children. And he and his wife had been teaching for a long time uh, before I even met either of them. But Mr. Lay was different than the other teachers I had. Uh, now, while I had seen him lose his temper, especially at some of the classes that we were in, uh, he was overall a very patient man. He would stop what he was doing to talk to you, even if it put him behind or late to a meeting. And even if you just came up to it with anything at all, he would still stop and just talk to you. He was just that kind of teacher. But that's not the reason I'm telling you about him. Because, see, there's another reason why I hold Mr. Lay as someone who loves as Christ instructed. You see, my senior year of high school, there were things that I did with another person on a school music trip that cost Mr. Lay his job, or at least that's how I perceive it. I remember the moment that I learned that he would not be returning the following year, and when I was able to, I stopped him and asked him if that was true. And I asked him if it was because of what I had done, if it was my fault, that you were not going back to teaching. And I remember that he put his hands on my shoulders, he looked me in the eye, and he started to tear up. And he said, it will never be your fault. And I didn't believe him at the time, but my mind slowly changed over the years with every interaction I ever had with him. And today, when we talk, we talk as if nothing ever happened. And the only reason I can say as to why he, did, he does the things he does is because he loves the way Christ does, unconditionally, without guilt or shame of the past. The last man I want to tell you about is a man named Rich. Richard is his full name, but I, I call him Rich, and that's what he liked to be called. And now Rich played a big part early in my life. In 2005, I had the opportunity to go on my first mission trip with Maranatha to Peru. At the time, I was 13, and my mom was not going to go with me, so I needed a legal guardian. To be honest, I have no idea how Rich 
was selected or why he was selected to be my legal guardian, but nevertheless, I joined up with him on this adventure. Rich has been on other Maranatha trips beforehand, so he's no stranger to how these trips ran. And after arriving to our destination, he helped me get a phone card, get a phone card to call my mom from a payphone in town. He made sure I took part in activities with the local kids and the other group members every night. He made sure I experienced what it was like on the construction site of the church we were building. I even made him panic when I changed jobs one day, and instead of going to the construction side, site, I went with the medical team to their site. And I'm pretty sure that day, Rich contemplated not coming home lest he face the wrath of my mom for losing me. But every experience I could have on a mission trip, he made sure that I was there to do it. And over the years, Rich and his family would become very close to mine, and I would grow to see Rich as a father figure to me. But with that being said, I never told him about thoughts of suicide, and nor did I ever tell him the truth about what happened my senior year. I'm sure he was aware of it in some capacity because parents talk, but whether he knew it or not, he never treated me any different. He never brought it up. He just accepted me just as I was, just as Jesus accepts you as you are. Now you see there's a common theme here, and if you haven't picked up on it yet, here it is. Love, for one, love one another as Jesus loves us. It's so important that it says it twice in John, the first time being John 13, which we read earlier, and the second time it's found in John 15, 15 verse 12, which says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Love for one another is such an important commandment that Jesus has to say it twice. Just like the men in my life who never held my shame and sorrow against me, the same is with Jesus. He accepts you who you are, and anything you've done in your life that makes you feel shameful or sinful, he's already forgiven and forgotten. Now the last point I want to make comes in the next part of that verse in John 15, 13. Which also is my favorite verse in the Bible. In this verse, there's, a more, there's more instruction to how to love one another. And if you take this verse literally, it does mean something. But I want to illustrate it to you in a slightly different way so you can apply it to your lives. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. And if you take this literally, you probably read it as the actual act of death, because in this context, Jesus is talking about his sacrifice of his own life for the world. But I want you to think of it in a different way. Not an actual sacrifice of life, but as a sacrifice of time. When you give up your time to someone else, are you not laying a piece of your life for them? The time could be spent with your family. It could be spent doing your job or your schoolwork. Every minute of time you lay down for someone else, you are truly giving up part of your life for them, and therefore you are giving the greatest love you can give. Jesus has commanded that you love one another, and when you love one another, then all people will know you're followers of him. So my challenge to you today is God's pay-it-forward challenge and love like Jesus.